Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Welcome, everybody, to a brand new episode of The Call. This is a special episode, actually, and um, I reached out to my good friend, uh, Holly King Stad. Uh, we we both watched this documentary, and we had to talk about it. And I'm your host, Mr. Pope. You don't know already. Say what's up, Holly, to everyone. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's an honor to be here again, man. Well, for the first time on this one, it's an honor. And what... What a great thing to do, especially on this event. I know uh, it, it. This was wild. Um, my first thoughts on the documentary, I was like, "Oh, I, well." My first thoughts when I heard about it, I was like, "I have to see this because this is." I mean, the year nineteen ninety nine. I was a senior in high school, so I know that you know aspect of it. Or the, I've I've seen it through that lens, where I'm like, "Oh, these bands are coming out." They're badass, and then they have Woodstock 99, and I remember, you know, because I still watched MTV at that time, the hype for 99, you know, they all the commercials and everything. What do you what do you remember about it, all it, that? <laughs> but you, you couldn't miss it, because even if it was like, yo, MTV raps, or you're watching the real world, anything that was coming on at that time, the commercial breaks always broke to Woodstock 99. Yeah. So you always caught a glimpse as to what was going on. I mean, it was a big, it was a big deal. I mean, like you said, you could be watching anything and they were just hyping this up because you, not only you had, you had, you know, the new metal, then you had, of course, you know, the older metal like Metallica and uh, then you had Red Hot Chili Peppers, and then you had DMX go out there and White Club drop. They, I mean, they, this was the event because they had all sorts of music pushed into one little. You know, it's I mean, like my. It, it feels like my Spotify playlist is what it, yeah. I listen to everything. <laughs> On occasion, a little bit of Sheryl Crow, you know. Just... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I, I I don't know the whole song. Yeah, I do. Never mind. <laughs> but, but yeah, you, you, you couldn't I mean, miss it. You, you, it was it was so so uh marketed hardcore uh with everything. I mean, you, you could have gone to every uh 7-Eleven or gas station and there was always something there. Some you know, uh, drinking product. They were pushing it. Woodstock yeah. 99. And what's funny is um, it's kind of like with anything else during that time, the uh, the coverage of it, of course, they were, we got to see the clips of it, you know, things burning and everything. I'm like, holy crap. And of course, now me being a parent, if I saw that, I'd be like, oh my God, these kids are out of control. 
And oh then my God. now we got the actual story of why people lost their shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, I've, and I know we're going to touch on it, but I still feel some people were scapegoats and some people did not take any accountability at all whatsoever. Oh, yeah. No. Oh, man. It was uh, especially. Look, I, I like HBO. But right now, uh, they were really pushing on a button. Uh, they were kind of beating a dead horse with me. I was like, okay, I get, okay, I get you, documentary filmmaker. I get where you're going yeah. with all this. Yeah. And I know you saw it. Too. You're a smart yeah. guy, so you saw that shit. You're like, come on, really? <laughs> I had a, I had a 101 fever. I paused it, and I went on like a 30 minute rant with my wife about that. <laughs> And she's like, are you feeling better? I'm like, no, no I'm not. I just have to. Bullshit, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, well, we're going to get, uh, let's get this uh, crazy boat rolling. I'm going to bring up uh, a clip, a couple of clips. Uh, we're going to start off with this because I felt like this was perfect for it. Clip. Otto, since when have you had a girlfriend? We met in the summer of love. Woodstock 99. Oh my god. Oh, man, I love it. Quick! I need some water! $8. <laughs> Not in this lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Did <laughs> the Simpsons touch on it, man. Come on. You know, here we go. Rat Boy Summer. Yeah. <laughs> That is no shit. In July 1999, <laughs> nearly a half a million music fans descended on the small town of Rome in upstate New York to commemorate the 30th anniversary of Woodstock. Among the dozens of performers over the three-day festival were Rage Against the Machine, Corn, and Limp Biscuit. Can I just say something? That guy, uh, I'm going to pause this. Okay. <laughs> Before we let Fred say something on here, that guy was high as fuck. <laughs> just, oh, yeah. <laughs> Get that guy, he looks like he's driven on acid. He's just like dancing to nothing. <laughs> Hasn't even started yet. <laughs> the parking lot. Uh, so, like they said, three-day festival. And, of course, the documentary, they started off with uh, Friday. And, yeah, well, they had, they had an early, they had a pre-show Thursday. Oh, they did? Okay. They had a pre-show Thursday. Uh, and... and <laughs> I don't even know why I even brought it up because the only one I know is George Clinton and the Pink Funk All Stars. <laughs> then and they're the last ones to to play. Uh, but I mean, third base too. This is '99. Third base at that point, I'm surprised they even popped up their head because Ice Cube was on the tangent there. So it was just there was Greeley Page, Little Big Jam, on uh, the String Cheese Incident. <laughs> How, how do we not know these people? How do we not? Bernie Worrell and the Wu Warriors? It, just, I, you're speaking, it seems like you're speaking Japanese to me because I don't realize. Like, <laughs> you're like, you're like, that's all I'm getting. I'm the yeah, same way as I would have been. In, I'm the same way I would have been in 99. George Clinton? I know who that is. <laughs> 
so the 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 official official uh, kickoff was was Friday. Yeah, and that's where it started. Well, the documentary also covers are like, you know, uh, back in '69, it's painted as a picture of peace, love, and sex, and everything, drugs, all that. And really, there was actual uh, violence at that one too. Yeah, but they didn't paint that. I thought that was interesting to me because that was like a staple like okay look at all these awesome bands it was peace and love that's what the uh hippie agenda you know that was the narrative back then like we're not here to harm anybody but people did get harmed at that they did well the 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 woodstock 69 film doesn't address any of that oh no why would you and and a lot of those i guess ended up being uh producers at cnn anyways but, but <laughs> I had no down. political joke. A little political joke. But, but, but no, uh, all seriousness, they did the movie. The the it, it did. I mean, if you see it, you're like, wow. I wish I was there. But uh, yeah, it, it, the way they they did the Woodstock movie, it's it's very inspirational. It, it's the way it flows. The way it shows the whole crowd. Yeah, the you know, people running around in the mud when it rained. I mean, it was just you know. I don't care what age you are, uh, you would have been like, "Oh wow, that that must have been time to to uh, to experience that." Well, and even the musicians on this documentary were talking about it, like, "Man, that was so awesome!" And yeah, we watched the film and we were inspired by that. And um, but yeah, they go through it, and of course, they show you know people did die probably of overdoses out there. and then they go to 94 and it's so weird like 94 they show it and it's really i mean just kids that liked music at that time i mean you yeah. had a bunch of awesome bands there as well like you know well, green they, day they had they had the rain they had, they had that infamous that infamous scene green day in the rain and mud. yeah yeah that's what i remember from 94 green day <laughs> mud and uh uh now what happened in in the also happened in Woodstock uh 69 and 90, uh people started breaking into the fence now that's the thing like you're right I, they did show it They're, you know in the 60s hey man let's go through this little chain link fence and then 94 they did the same thing just hundreds of people just crawling under a fence or knocking the fence down and getting in but they were enjoying themselves they they weren't yes. there to cause any problems. They wanted to listen to music, and they didn't want to pay for a ticket or anything like that. So, like, man, we lost money. What can we do? Oh yeah, in '99, we'll do it again, but we're gonna put on an Air Force base, a closed down Air Force base, <laughs> in the middle of summer when it's sweltering hot, the hottest time of the year. And if anybody's ever been on an Air Force base and you're listening to this, you know it's a lot harder, hotter on an Air Force base because everything is either cemented or paved. And there's no trees because it's an Air Force base. <laughs> there's no yeah, they, yeah. They, they try to avoid those. <laughs> they, try, they, they have trees, but there was no tree. I mean, on that one, I didn't see one damn tree at all. Mm-mm. So... Basically, they're they're uh, they're going into this, and they're like, "Oh, well, 99. And, and I hate when they do this. They, I, I have to, I won't get too mad. I hate when they do this. So they blame 
the entertainment of the time for yeah. all that. And that's what pissed me off about this documentary. Uh, you know, uh, these people that they, these, I don't know who these people were that they got as mouthpieces. The only ones I recognized were pretty much like um, the uh, the guy that won the VJ for uh, the VJ contest, the short fat guy, Dan, whatever. He had long hair. Do you remember that on TRL? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He okay. lost well, he lost out to that weird looking punk kid. Oh, yes. what? Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, never mind. <laughs> yeah, that's another that's another that's another show. That's another show. And it is. It is another show. But he yeah. lost out to Jesse, but they still hired the other guy because he was more yeah. professional. Anyway, they got him as a mouthpiece. And then of course they got some of the band uh member. We had uh Jonathan Davis with corn. He spoke on there as well. And then you had some other musicians. I think one musician, he was from The Roots, that guy. I can't remember his name. Yes. I just watched the documentary. So, but anyway, they have people talking about that. They, oh, and they got, uh, they have uh, quote unquote security people talking on this. And then they got attendees talking about this. So, but yeah, the, everybody's sharing their story of Woodstock '99, and then, and then the artist I, I thought was funny is the artists are like, I kind of felt something it was weird in the air. It was just oh. different. It was just so different. They won't shut up about. And I'm like, shut up. I mean, you were there for your paycheck. You weren't. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> the one that the one that was really trying to sell it every ten seconds was Moby. Oh fuck, Moby man! <laughs> he kept he kept trying to bring it up. He's like, yeah, so we were there, and 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 because I've been in a lot of shows and I've done a lot of concerts, and you 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 kind of you kind of get this premonition, almost like a psychic. Uh, uh, okay, you're so if you know everything so well, when when did you figure out your career was over? <laughs> Tell me that. No, and that pissed me off. He's like, I've been to different venues and stuff, and then it shows his venue. It's at night. It's a rave. Yeah, no one ever got hurt at a rave. Ever. Yeah, he wasn't he even was a, the time he was on. A, he wasn't on the main stage the whole time. He was at the the, the midnight after midnight rave uh, hangar. Yeah, it, the rave tent they called it. Yeah, the which which now now that said you bring it up, he he was such a stickler because he was like, oh look, there's a board there it has everybody's bands on them. Mine's not on there. Yeah, well, you're, you're in the terminal. You're not on the main stage. He's like, "Who are these bands? Who's Corn? I don't know these guys." <laughs> no, what did he say? It was a funny. It was actually a pretty big band at the time. He's like, "I saw it, and it shows." It. By the way, if you're listening, they show old footage of him in the bus complaining about this, and he's like, "And they and they have a video camera, and they got the guy zooming up, and they, and you hear Moby. I don't even know some of these people." What are they doing on there? Where's my name? It's like, who cares? Yeah, I was just like, well, the, the whole time it goes on, and every time they cut to him, he's like, yeah, like I, it's like a gut feeling, like it's just you smell it in the air, and you just know something bad's gonna happen. <laughs> but not on, not only him, but like other artists are like, yeah, it was so like the atmosphere was so different. It's like, and then the one guy that they talked to, it it, it drives me nuts because I know who these people are like i saw them when they were like nothing and that that one journalist i can't remember his name that's how much of a nothing he is i know who kurt loader is to this day until yeah. i die i know who yeah. carson daly is this guy this short fat guy 
He went on BJ uh, contest for PRL. He lost out to a druggie, Jesse. And if you don't know who Jesse is, we will send a link to you so you can view it. <laughs> but he lost out to him. And then he's acting like he was some sort of big journalist. I hate that. I'm like, I knew when you were just trying to get a bite of something and you were nothing. You lost you're, out. To you're, you're fighting so hard for a job. So you can tell like, so which, which is your favorite Britney song? Like, really? <laughs> And, and, you know, that's another thing that got brought up. Um, me, me and the wife were watching it, and she brought it, and she goes, why did they, why did they not get along? Why did the rock bands hate the boy bands so much? And I'm like, well, at that time, like, I was a metalhead. I mean, I, I listened to metal, and then, of course, I listened to some rap, too. I mean, DMX was a shit at that time as well. Um, but there was just... The, the, it, it's like it was a not like a Biggie and Tupac thing. It was like a feud. Like they, yeah, they they wanted the conflict because it sold. And these people, even the boy band side, could go on in the magazines and talk shit about you know, like, hey man, you know, I don't know why they hate us, and we're just goody two shoes, you know. And then of course you got the metal people, and Eminem made a career. Eminem made a career out of making fun of boy bands. And that is his career. The thing about the boy bands, they were told not to like, you know, your your image is squeaky clean. Don't start. Yeah, don't 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 talk shit back. So they wouldn't. Yeah, and they would be. They were the punching bag. Yeah. Not to take anything no. from Eminem. Eminem is talented, but he did. I mean, he made a career out of that. He made. He, he sold so many records about uh, bashing them. Eminem said, "I'll if any, I don't, I won't say respected, but I'll give him like, you know." Uh, like I guess some like thumbs up or something, you know. Don't quote me, but he said uh, Kirk Patrick from NSYNC. He's like, yeah, because he's the only one that actually like said like, you know, shut the fuck up. And and everyone's yeah, like, Kirk oh, Kirk okay, Patrick, you're gonna get yeah. So he's like, oh, okay, all right. You know what I mean? Um, but but yeah, it, it, it was it was like that. That's why you don't see they're they're not there in, in the lineup at all. Jewel, Jewel was at ninety nine. Uh, let me uh, let me play a, a little clip of Fred Durst talking a little bit about this before we get too much. I mean, we're going on a we have a good rant going, but I want to show some of these clips. Let's go to Fred Durst. What do you think it did for this movement of heavy music? Well, they were really pushing this movement hard. It was like this breakout metal festival with a few other artists sprinkled in. I remember getting there and just going, oh my God, look at this place. This is Woodstock. What an honor, how amazing. I mean, it was definitely the highlight of rap metal music. For us too, it was crazy. I think it was the greatest show we ever played and are ever gonna play. It was just amazing to play in front of 400,000 plus people and them all get it and be right there with us and feel what we were doing. Jonathan it was amazing Davis, to see way, people, people jump in the music and because there's so many people seeing how the sound travels, seeing the waves of people jumping. And it was just ridiculous. Man, I, that yeah, just yeah. gives me chills, dude. Woodstock 99 was unforgettable. That was a pretty big moment. That was, a, that was the biggest moment in our career. Because it was so intense. That's Feedly, Never the basis like for corn. Yeah. Oh, my God, dude. 
we rocked that place that first night and everybody had and and they talk about it on there uh he talks about that night where he just put everything out. He goes, I don't even, I didn't even feel like it was in my body after a while. Like he just put it all out on stage and he even got overheated and they put ice packs on him. He said he, he collapsed coming off stage, Jonathan Davis, of corn, and they covered him with ice packs to kind of help him out. Wow. I mean, a lot of these bands, if you look at it, they, they all took it seriously. Like, they took it as, like, a badge of honors, like, getting invited to, to do this. Well, and, and, you know, speaking from a little bit of experience, I've been to a lot of concerts, and I've been in the mosh pit. You could not catch me in one now. I'm too old for that shit, <laughs> like uh, Danny Glover. But uh, it gets fucking hot. And to see that clip, I can just imagine how hot it was like I, I i've been at a metallica concert where i was like i was just like you know one of the sad stories they share in the documentary i was just like that guy they're my favorite band i gotta see them and you were so like it's a band that people want to see you don't you don't have control you are standing there and you move with the herd and the herd goes where towards the entertainment so you are literally pressed up against other people and, and if you can get your arm up to do the devil horns and stuff or whatever, uh, that was a privilege because you're stuck in there. And I'll tell you what, it, it was hot. And then Metallica has pyrotechnics. And when the fire went off, when they played that fuel song, I could feel the heat off of that. And of course, I'm already hot. By the time I got out, Aaron Poe, um, you know, 17-year-old kid gets out of, you know, I had to get out of there. It was so hot. I look like I jumped out of a swimming pool. Like I, I fell in a swimming pool. I was so, it gets so ridiculous. And then you see this on this documentary and it's like a football field length of people. So you, there's no way to hurry up and get out of there. Yeah, yeah, there's there's no way. Oh, and then and then that time, cell phones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, yeah, if, you lost, if you lost a buddy or something, you know, hey, good luck. Hopefully, I'll have a plan. It, it was ridiculous. Uh, and then on the on the front main stage, uh, they had like a regular green guard hose with a guy pinching it with his thumb, <laughs> squirting like the first three feet. And I'm just like, golly, man. And it wasn't even, you could tell, like, it wasn't even turned on all the way. It was like maybe like three twists, and then that was it. And I'm like, and that's, and a guy's job just sprinkle people in like the first three feet. I left my ass up when I saw that. I'm like, you got a fire hose? Come on, man. I know, right? He's like, golly, man. He looks like he was an old man shooing away a cat off his plants in his yard or something. He's like, is this cool enough for you guys? You reach maybe like two people. Should I, should I flip my wrist? Yeah. Should I flip my wrist and see if it catches over there? Why didn't you do the rain motion, bro? That's what I did. I would always point it up and then put my thumb on top. It looked like it was rain. Could have done that. Right? No, this guy was like, he was like flicking it out like a flower girl, like just reaching for the basket, just like the strength of a two-year-old, the way he was flicking that water out. It was just ridiculous. Oh my God. Dude. And then and touching back on security, uh oh yeah. It was like it was just a bunch of 20-year-olds, whatever. I'm not gonna blame them. I'm gonna hate on them. They're smart. You get to go in. 
you get to get paid. All you get is a you you fill out like a like a multi what do you call it a multiple test questionnaire or yeah, something like, like that. Uh, yeah, like an aptitude or some sort of test. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't even know why they did that, but anyways, they did that. You got a T-shirt and you got your little vinyl tag. Yeah. A lot of these guys, as soon as they got in there, they just changed T-shirts and pocketed that vinyl and they were in there. Oh, and some and guys they, were like, "Oh, hey, pay me so I can get you stuff." Yep. And and they said um, at the front gate when these when all these kids and all these people would come in, they uh, told them absolutely do not let them bring their own water, any kind of food, but drugs. They just you could have slipped them like a twenty and brought in as much drugs as you wanted in whatever yeah. bag you were carrying it in. So that's another part that I thought was kind of fucked up because, you know, people going to a festival or something, you, you know, let them bring an ice chest and let them, you know, let them have their food and maybe they'll buy something from, maybe they'll have money for t-shirts and stuff. And that's what I thought was so weird about it. They were just so adamant about making all this money. All these corporations were involved and said, you know, we're going to make a, we're going to make bank on this. You know, these kids are going to be drunk. They're going to be high. They're going to be smoking weed. They're going to be hungry. We are going to just murder them and we're just going to reap all the benefits. Which a smarter person knowing that how many millions of people? I mean, it, it was, it, it was nuts. Wasn't it over like some, I mean, not millions, thousands of people. Yeah. And then the Porter John thing. Okay. <laughs> well, you, you, you have $4, $4 water bottles. Yeah. Here, $4 you at 99. Yeah. $4 in uh, the economy of 1999 uh, was like, what? Like seven bucks today, 10 and, bucks and today. The, and, and the beer, the beer was the same price. Yeah. So they're like, well, you know, if I'm gonna spend money, <laughs> let's see. Uh, um, we're gonna let's go to this clip here. I'm just uh, we're coming in on a clip. Uh, oh, this is a senior uh, VP of Roadrunner Records. Roadrunner Records usually has like a bunch of metal bands and stuff. Let's see what he had to say about this. Altamont being the point where, like, you know, the '60s culture jumped the shark. Maybe that was the turning point where things had gotten out of hand. That music became excess and spectacle and disrespect to audience and peers in a way that you saw at the most awful heights of the hair metal bands. This character, Fred Durst thing, this monster that was created, you know, it sort of backfired on me. There was always negativity thrown at Limp Bizkit. Nobody really wanted us here in the first place. You know, nobody really wanted rap. The character? That's your name! <laughs> You. This uh, Fred Durst character, man. I don't know where he came from. <laughs> so if I do something fucked up and, and inside a riot, I'd be uh, that Aaron Poe character, man. I mean, I started yes. a podcast and I and I said something like start a riot, which I'm not really saying, but anyway, and then people do. I'm like, man, that character just took over. <laughs> okay, you met at the wrong person. No, I'm not. I'm not that guy. <laughs> you know, it, 
Does he see his cap backwards? Look at me now. I'm wearing a black Ford cap. Look, man, doing the whole Avengers, Avengers uh, secret uh, disguise. Oh man, stand by your shit, man. Come on. Anyway, let's go. <laughs> In the first place, well, nobody really it, wanted metal. Yeah. In oh, the normal I mean, world. So rap metal. Oh, now the metal guys don't want it, and the rappers don't want the metal. So. I just think that it was, I'm just that guy, I guess. Yeah, maybe I'm that guy. I don't know, man. Kid Rock gave a show. Despite the fallout and... Okay, yes. That dude plays all the instruments. He can play any yeah. instrument. He can play, yeah. And he did, and he did his set, and he did the the whole, I'm from Detroit, you know what I mean? And and then he came out with the fur coat, and then they, they try to bash on that. I don't see oh, why yeah. they... They try to bash on that. They try to make that racial. Uh, that was they were, they were reaching. They were reaching really hard on that part of the the, the show. But uh, not to dig into that. Uh, Kid Rock came out, did his set, and I saw him. He, he did that at Good Morning America one time. Like he, yeah, know, performing like live outside, and he got on the guitar while somebody was still on the guitar, and he got the turntables. That that's his thing. And the reason he did that is because at that well, early point, uh, Beastie Boys, when they started kind of, I mean, they always played instruments, but when they they weren't just rappers, you start seeing them as like a band, like on the drums, bass, and guitar. Like, well, I remember I was like, what? I was like, they're a band band. Wow, that's even like trippier, you know what I mean? So Kid Rock's like, well, I'm going to up the ante, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm a white rapper, and they, these guys do that. Well, I'm going to play all the instruments. You know, yeah. and they couldn't even give him that in the documentary. It's just like no. okay, <laughs> but you know him going him going hard. You know, I'm an outlaw. You know, all those songs that he has, they're going out hard. And, and I did back up Fred Durst. Uh, you know, I just like well, that's just your set. Like if, if if I was performing and I have my own like little speeches behind my songs and they're they're aggressive songs and I just kind of want to get the crowd into it. You know what I mean? I, I would say like, oh, hey, you know, like, yeah, you know, those days, you know, those days that you had and now hearing him, this version of him. Yeah. He's saying like, that's not me, man. Uh, it backfired. I'm like, well, I don't even know how to take you anymore. Well, and <clears throat> yeah, you're right, because everybody had a spiel going out. Everybody, everybody still does. Everybody still has a certain character they play. Excuse me. <clears throat> Sorry, allergy. Anyway, everybody has a certain character they're they're playing or their act is a part of that. Like, you know, like Twisted Sister, how they were like, we're not going to take it anymore. You know, they were rebellious. And then you've had a lot of people be rebellious. And in this thing, they're saying like, in the documentary, I didn't like how they put this. They said, well, look at all, uh, look at all these uh, white frat boys. Yeah. Privileged. And then they get this white guy in his metal band, new metal band up there saying, give me something to break. Why are you so angry? And it's like, no, that was not, that's not the thing. The thing is, yes, it appealed to me because I was a teenager. And of course, when you're a teenager, you're pissed off at everything. You're like, fuck this, fuck that. I don't care. I'm not going to do what you tell me, right? Kind of thing. And that was that music. And I was like, man, and you were like, man, the guitar is awesome and everything. It didn't make me want to go out and start a riot in my neighborhood. Now, what would make me want to start a riot, and this is why these people did what they did, is because everything was fucking expensive as hell. 
Mm-hmm. You're, you're talking about college kids. You know, mom and dad probably gave them a couple hundred bucks to go to Woodstock 99. They they have minimum wage jobs. You have 20-year-olds that have minimum, you know, they're not getting paid shit in 1999. You're out, char- you're overcharging for things. It's hot as fuck. You don't have a mist tent. You don't have a water truck out there spraying water in the air during the concerts to cool them off. They're hungry. They're pissed. You know, not all of them were drug addicts. And people, I mean, that was one of the shocking things I saw in the documentary. People laying under trailers. They yeah. were laying under the, the supply trailers. It was so hot. It was so hot. They had a they had a shade under the 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 storage trailers. Yeah. Those 18 wheelers tanks. They just they just had to just anything that had a little bit of shade, they'll get in there. And and uh, good luck trying to go back to your tent, because that's even if they didn't steal your tent. Oh yeah, all your shit. If, if you didn't have someone watching your shit, it was gone. Like your your tent's gone. They're like, fuck this guy, or so, they would say, steal so it. So say like, so say they don't steal your tent. They don't steal your tent, and you get to sleep. Odds are you wake up because you can't. You smell raw sewage around you. Yeah, and tent's floating. I mean, and, and because of the the porta potty situation, I mean that was. That that right there, that was that was crazy to see that as well. They they I think what they did is they didn't over plan. They budgeted it. And they're yeah. like, okay, what did what did 94's numbers bring in? Uh okay, this is how many. So we're gonna kind of overcompensate for 94. Well, in 94, you had a different type of element, you know. Um this this was so hypercharged because in 94, I can think, yeah, you had some big acts, right? You still had big acts. And then they had even uh, acts that appealed to the people that went in the 60s. Yeah. Woodstock 99, you have James Brown. And then you have all these newer bands that are super uber freaking popular to the young crowd. And it was, it's all majority, <laughs> it's all majority like hard, like hard. Yeah. I mean, Spring Corn, Bush. Uh, St. Clown Posse. I mean, yeah, Jamiroquai. Jam- oh God, Jamiroquai <laughs> getting <laughs> Virtual insanity. That's a big song. That's on the radio, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's all I know of his. That's it. Because he was the music video. Now, if they had stuff on the stage moving around like he did on the video, but half those people didn't know who the hell he was. Yeah, without without that stage moving like that, you'll be like, what's that guy doing? Yeah, what what is this song? And he's like, this is off my new album. It's like, what? Everybody knows James Brown. James Brown put on, it looked like a badass show, dude. You kick it off with James Brown. He's up there doing his thing. That looked badass. I must admit, that looked pretty cool. So say you don't wake up with raw sewage around you. <laughs> Good luck trying to get some sleep because you got some freaking idiots banging on drums. Like not even drums, like trash drums. Yeah. Old drums. They're just banging. There's no rhythm. No, no. They're just banging because they're high as hell. And they're just like ding, 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 ding. Like, oh my gosh. I'm I'm surprised. I mean, good thing to check for weapons, I guess. I don't know. Uh, yeah. And the other thing on it, and uh, uh, I don't want to get too far into it because uh, I, I, um, yeah, they did say there was a lot of uh, sexual assaults and stuff going on there. Yeah. But then, yeah. Um, you know, 
yeah, there was a bunch of, uh, I mean, they, they actually show, you know, there's butt-ass naked women. I mean, they were just walking around. They were either topless or totally naked, and they're just walking around this festival. And, of course, all these guys are drunk. They're not being, you know, gentlemen. They're not being well-behaved. You have them in an atmosphere where it is animalistic. And I'm not saying that it's a girl's fault. And I'm not saying the guys were justified in anything that they did because they were not. Because yeah. I'm totally against stuff like that. I'd be pissed off, too, if someone was feeling up my woman. But I also wouldn't have her run around butt-ass naked at a concert. Yeah. Because I, there's some I, I, guys I, that, that there's some looky-loos, and they'll be like, oh, wow, you know? And then there's some guys that are like, let me get my hands on it. You know? <laughs> it's like it was supercharged. And it, it was it was so it was so crazy as the hours you know on this documentary as the hours go like they show the days and the hours and what's happening and and people getting pissed off and the you know the the porter johns are not working well and they're overflowed and trash and shit and piss and everybody's peeing everywhere and crapping everywhere <laughs> it was just like it was coming to a head you know by Saturday. There's another thing too that 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 uh, Woodstock was trying to kind of come up on was the there's a, like there, there's water there was free water for people and they were right there was free water you didn't have to buy water you hold your jug there was a water station you can go yeah but then you had people showering in there shower using the water to bathe themselves because they were swimming in sewage yeah. They, and then they you were, got some people that didn't want to wait, so they just popped a hole in a pipe down the line, and they, they're like, "Oh, I got my water," but they just left it running. And next thing you know, everything's flooded. It's like they're like, "We we had water there, yeah." But did you see what they were doing with that water? Yeah. Would you go up there? Uh, you know, I, I don't even know the founder's name. Would you go up there with a water jug with, you know, two you know frat boys after they'd been in mud and everything, jumping in that water and taking a shower? Would you get your jug in that water and drink that free water? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. And then the shower setup, it was, it, it it was a refugee camp. That's how they had it. Yes. I wonder if FEMA set that up. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what it looked like to me. Yeah, the showers were horrible. There was no drainage either. So all that stuff was just going everywhere. It's a, I, it, it was I, ridiculous. I, I would, I, you know, that um, when they used to have it, they used to have the River City Rock Fest. And uh, one year, me and the wife went and uh, they had it in the parking lot of the AT&T Center. That shit was hot. And I was only there for one day. I was just there for like a Saturday. And that was hot. Imagine three days. Oh God! Of that sun coming off that pavement, pavement. You're, you in, the you're in a rural area. You're in a rural area, and they had mist tents, and then they had the hangar open over there. Uh, actually, it was close to uh, AT and T, whatever the center. But they had like a little um, warehouse, and they mm-hmm. had the the doors rolled up, and you could go in. Now, if you just paid for your regular ticket. You could go in this. Uh, it was an inside venue. They had a, a they had someone uh, a unknown band or whatever playing in there, but you at least had fans hitting you, and you could there was shade. But then if you were willing to shell out like I don't know two hundred extra more dollars, 
you could go where there was like a area it was covered it was nice it had a bar in it they had miss fans and everything so you know <laughs> these people just weren't they just weren't prepared they they weren't they, they, they weren't. security sucked uh, maintenance and cleanup sucked and they just let that greed go man they just had so much I mean, I, I couldn't imagine, you know, you go to Fiesta, Texas, or you've been to Fiesta, Texas, and you go, how much for that piece of pizza? Really? Imagine being there, and you hadn't yeah. had anything for a day or, you know, uh, like the day before, you just been drinking and partying and going, yeah, that's like 10 bucks. It's a Pizza Hut pizza, the size of a slice of the uh, personal pan. It's <laughs> just like a little pizza. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> excuse me, to maintain no, themselves, of course they had to stay drugged up yeah what were we saying saturday yeah saturday it just got worse because like you said on um i think it was early saturday or early in the morning they did all that that you were talking about during friday they poked a hole in the line i mean that that's how fast this went downhill it didn't even yeah. take a full day it wasn't gradual. It was not gradual at all. It was like one right after the other, like bam, bam, bam. And then, you know, uh, they showed all the bands. And this is what I thought was, it, it. and it is interesting. If I didn't see the video, I wouldn't have believed them. But you had, you know, you're being hammered with, you know, this metal act, and this metal act, and this rap act, and da-da-da. And then you have Alanis Morissette go on, and everybody calms down. Everybody yeah. was calm. Like they were listening to our music and I guess they were just chilling. But then I and I do agree with them on this. You start giving them the adrenaline again. Like you gave them a little bit. Okay, take a break. Okay, now we're gonna hit you with Limp Biscuit. We're gonna hit you with uh Raging Against the Machine, and we're gonna hit you with Metallica. Okay, we're gonna hit you with all three of them. <laughs> yeah. Gonna have so, so we got we got uh Wycliffe John, Tony <laughs> Crows, Dave Matthews Band, Aladdin Morissette, and then just they just cranked it up right after oh, that man. after her set. They broke the damn knob off, like they said, ripped the knob off. They it went on final tap like 11. <laughs> but there was no they ripped the knob off. There was no setting. It was just like I'm talking about uh, a a club in Acuna and you're stuck by the speakers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, here's here's a little fun fact. Uh, the stage that Moby was on is called Emerging Emerging Artist Stage. Yeah. So he was up there with Chris Bennett's band. So he needs to chill. Why his name wasn't on there? Yeah. He needs to chill. I just saw you right there, like Chris Bennett's. What? Lena's ex-husband, or late, or husband. And so Moby were on the same stage. Like, he needs to just chill. Yeah. Oh, my God. Let's play this next clip. Let's play this little clip here. And we got an upside-down car now. Backlash at yeah. Woodstock 99. The new metal movement didn't die. And, in fact, it continued to grow. And it the summer of 69. A weekend known as Woodstock. That was weird, John. It was a time of peace, love, and harmony. Singing in the dead of night. Boy, what a difference 30 years can make. <laughs> 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 
It's Woodstock. I wish we had all been naked. This is the video of Woodstock 99 nobody dared to air until now. Damn, look at that. that okay, oh what they're showing here. Woodstock, it's like a nice that is, we go through Saturday, right? Everybody's already pissed off and everything. This is Sunday night. Yeah. <laughs> showing... <laughs> I go back on that one. They are showing the destruction. And the reason they're blaming Limp Biscuit, let's get into that real quick. The reason, and they say the new metal movement. Okay, there was no movement. It was just music. Um, the, they're blaming these guys. They're blaming Fred Durst because he went out there. They already know everybody's pissed off because they're paying like $4 a bottle of water. The toilets are broken. Shit's overflowed. And uh, anyway, so he gets out on stage and Limp Biscuit does their set. And of course, the popular one of their biggest songs at that time was Break Shit or Break Stuff. So they get out there and then and then, it was funny because uh, what was it that promoter guy uh, one of the co-founders he's like I went up to Fred and I told him don't don't uh, you know you gotta you gotta calm him down a little bit okay you just calm him down and then that asshole he goes <laughs> and plays break stuff <laughs> and, and you, oh, you, you ain't doing you that. Even somebody like that, 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 that MTV uh, uh, VJ, he's over here like, yeah, and Fred Durst just goes ahead. And he's like, oh, my God. Dude, nobody wanted you there because yes. you admit it. You admitted it on the air. The people there did not want MTV there because we took their MTV and gave it to their little sister. Yeah. You, you, you blatantly said it. You said it. Oh, Why act surprised? Uh, I'm going to have a... Uh, in studio is my wife. She has something to say about this. She's listening to this episode. Hold on, here. Oh no! Uh, hold on, hold on. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say, and then when, and then when Red Hot Chili Peppers, uh, they were talking to him on the side, and then he was like, "Fuck that! I'm gonna play Fire, Stay yeah. Fire." <laughs> <laughs> it, it's because when they talk to him, you can see when they're talking to him, and each one of them are like, "I ain't gonna do that." Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> By the way, I if saw anything, more. If, I, anything, I, if, anything, they, if anything, they screwed up because by telling me, hey, don't do that because this is going to be a memorable moment that we do not want. Oh, that's all I had to say, buddy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, don't do this or something big is going to happen and people will remember it forever. Okay, check. Yeah, don't, don't go down in history. Don't go down <laughs> in history. Maybe you should have had Crosby, Steels, and Nash go out instead of... <laughs> The character known as Fred Durst go out there and rev up all the drunken white boys, and that's a, this is where I where I'm coming from. They're blaming the drunken white boys for this whole thing. And Woodstock '99 was a disaster because of drunken white guys and Fred Durst, yeah, and Corn yeah. and Metallica. They're blaming like all. They're like, yeah. But you saw DMX going, okay, I don't know about you, but DMX, dude, when he went out there, that was fucking something. I would have loved to seen that. I would have loved to seen that. He, he, he plays a song, All My N. Yeah. And that uses the word, excuse me, the N word, every other word. Yeah. And then that other guy comes out, the one that ripped off, ripped on uh, uh, Kid Rock. He's like, yeah, I mean... Yeah, he said that. So how do you think people felt there? I mean, the majority were just white frat boys. Maybe there's like one or two 
sprinkled in there. How do you think they felt when they're looking around and somebody's like uh, singing those lyrics? The the ones that DMX went on stage and clearly can see because he was there was daytime. It's not like he was there in the middle of the night. He can't see the stage, the the crowd. He was there. DMX knew who was there. He he knew who was there. He did the song and he rolled it up and he made it. You know, I was like, come on. That 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 was okay. The little the little weirdo they got to speak on the behalf of the whole uh, the whole community there. He he's up there and he's like, yeah. That, how do you how do you think um, all the other you know um, black people felt when all these white people are saying the n word? It's like it wasn't a big. It wasn't like some skinhead punk band up there it was dmx and he was like dmx was like in the zone and he was grooving it dmx at any time could have said hey hey, hey, hey. all the white people stop saying that you know? yeah and, and you know what you know what he could have done that same song two days later and we would have gotten the same reaction because that's when people uh, he played that hard he played that song so hard got the crowd rolled up because people weren't fed up yet yeah, they were, and that, yeah, you're right. People weren't fed up, but they they were man, they were pushing this so hard during this documentary. Like I said, I yeah. like HBO Docs, and and I I have no problem with other people's opinions whatsoever. And and was the, was there a lot of that that fell on the you know the the shoulders of these mostly white kids? Yes, it was mostly white kids, and that's what you see on the videos. Yes, of course it does. But it also falls on the people that threw the the whole the whole thing. Yes, through that through what? How come they're not? You know, they were vilified, and then they're they were passing the buck. They're like, well, MTV, no one liked them, and they were there, and people were throwing glass bottles at them, and then I mean, they started it, and then they're like, and then MTV's like, no, this is uh your fault because of security, and then now it's uh. You know, uh, then they go, well, no, it wasn't us. It was all these drunken, freaking idiot college kids that did this. And, you know, and no one, no one stood up and uh, said, it was yeah, easy to I, I was part of it. Have the, the president of the college frat kid. Yeah. So collectively, they all like, oh, yeah, it was them. It was them. Okay. Them. Yeah, it was. Them. Uh, was it uh, the, the, the college frat kids, mostly white? Yeah. Okay. Let's do uh, Yeah, we'll blame them. And that that's how that's how this whole doc plays out. It really does play hard on that. And of course, they play real hard on uh, against, you know, saying like all these men, all these men, not all the men there were animals. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, but I could be around a, a group of I, people and I can tell that I don't want to be around that group of people. Like, yeah. OK, these dudes, they're they're. Uh, they're on something else. like they're they they got a different ideal than I have, and they're really really hardcore about. It. So I'm gonna go over here where it's yeah. calm and not aggressive. But uh, not all men, not all women, but there was a group of crazy people. Oh no, it was uh, it, it was a it, and that's the thing. You had people there that probably shouldn't have ever stepped foot out there. Exactly. You had people out there that I mean, probably you, that that probably have priors of um, rape and you know uh, and, sexual and, misconduct and all that. And you put everybody on a hot skillet. I mean, how do you think that's gonna play out? 
<laughs> I mean, oh my God, uh, it, it it just uh, and of course they show a little bit of and Columbine, and it kind of goes with this is that at this time they blamed the music 100% and people used to defend that you know they used to be like no they're artists and you know they're creatives and they they have a right to you know do what they do and at that time they were blaming Marilyn Manson for the Columbine thing and they were blaming you know all the uh, new metal acts for the destruction of Woodstock 99, which I'm sorry, half the people that were talking up there, especially that reporter, that the ex-reporter from MTV, he was paid to go out there. Yeah. He was paid to go out there. He he made his money and he still made money after that. Do you think if he was so angry at what happened that he would still work at MTV that he wouldn't have gone out and tried to say something about it? You know, stuff like that gets swept under the rug all the time. And, and they really tried to do that. <laughs> they, they tried to hide everything. Oh, God, yes. I mean, look at the press conferences. Oh, they man. At the press conference uh, tent. Yeah. And they go, uh, come up with solutions instead of just telling us what the problem is, come up with solutions. I'm like, you're not their manager. You're not. Yeah. You don't get to just tell people that, man. Let's go to this clip here. It has two people talking on the news. Like I, I'm just, I, I'm curious what these people have to say about all this. Let's go to the news. This is supposed to be about peace, and it was destruction for no reason. And some vendors we talked with last week expected to make at least ten thousand dollars from the. Okay, sorry, folks. Let me turn that down. Some clips are louder than others. My apologies. That's a, uh, sorry. Here we go. Merchandise they made, and we want to catch up with some of them this week just to see if everything this looks went like well a local news, if right? they lost or if they yeah. didn't lose anything. Yeah, and when you hear about this story throughout the day, obviously, if you're waking up right now and this is news to you, you're going to see a lot regarding the fires. You're going to see a lot regarding the looting. Understand right now that it's very calm, and a lot of the uh, people who are at this concert are leaving in a fairly orderly fashion. So it is very calm right now in the wake of what happened last night, certainly, which was uh, any but calm. Absolutely true. Donna? Catherine, I know that they had hired a security team or system. Where were they last night when all of this was going on? Do you know anything about that? Well, last night we talked to one security officer off camera and he said that there were rumors that crowds were going to get a little bit rowdy last night. So a few hundred, a hundred of them left early yesterday afternoon. That's when a good chunk of the fires started raging around here, a lot of the bonfires. So uh, it's just some rumors, just some hearsay that some security officers did leave, but we didn't see any around here when we were around, roaming around the area. And that's when a lot of the fires did start. Okay, Catherine Craig and Keith Koblen reporting live from Woodstock, New York, in Rome, New York. We'll check in with you in just a little bit. Keith and Catherine, thank you so much for your coverage this morning. And earlier this morning, I was awoken with a knock on the door, something you don't expect as a parent, and I did allow... <laughs> yeah, third, third, day, third day they booked it. Third day they booked it. A lot of them were like, nah, screw this. They're going to expect me to do my job. Nah. I think on the on the on the documentary we watched it, the guy was like, "Yeah, we just turn our shirts inside out. We don't want to be targets." Yeah, we're we security. Were targets. We're like, we're taking off. They did have security there. No, we're not talking about uh, Blackwater out there. We're not talking about guys like 
control a mob. You got you got you got Jethro with a yellow t-shirt that says piece of love, Woodstock 99. He's getting paid like nine dollars, maybe. <laughs> I mean, maybe even not even that. And he checked out 10 feet walking in on first day. What do you- it's like, what did you expect? You know that uh, it, it reminds you of that uh, that that movie clip of the town when they're running from the cops and they all get out of that car and they're dressed as uh, they they're dressed the nuns. as nuns with machine guns and they get, yeah. and they, they get out and they look over and there's an old cop he's in a cop car and he looks at him and he goes he just turns his head back. <laughs> that's what the security was but not Woodstock '99. That's what it was. They're like, uh, guys, <laughs> all the oh, supply but, trailers are on fire. <laughs> but gra- gradually, gradually from day one, they were doing, they were picking up uh, signatures and petitions for uh, gun violence and whatnot. And they were going to have a special uh, Sunday night event where they were going to uh, light up a candle to have a candle vigil for everybody that, that passed away. <laughs> Uh, due to gun deaths, and uh, so slowly, little by little, they're giving candles away, candles away, candles away, and then they start seeing people with having these little candles, little huddles with candles, and then those the little huddles with candles became little bonfires, and then of course, monkey see, monkey do, you know, like oh, they have a bonfire, so I guess we could do a bonfire, and then you know what I mean. So it's just like oh gosh. Yes, Sunday. Yeah, after Saturday, and and everybody got riled up again, and and tearing shit down. They were already they already tearing some of that uh that wall they made down that was peace, love, and whatever. Oh God, they Saturday. had the community community. They had community people, uh, local artists. Uh, they're just people outside artists. Yeah, to, to paint on this wall, peace and love, and everything, and. Just kind of showing their support for it, you know what I mean? And then they're like ripping it down. Like one of the guys grabbed one of the scaffolds, little the bases for the the the, the wall. He's just banging it. Like it's not even facing up. Like you can't even tell it's a painting, it's just a face down. So it's just the raw plywood behind it. And he's just hammering it. Like, what what what's your end game here, buddy? Like, who are you trying to Yeah? Yeah, it's just it's it got it got so oh, and then they try to sprinkle a little bit of uh uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh man! Well, they try to sprinkle a little bit from '69. Uh, yeah, and uh, they had uh, that's when they had Creed with uh, Bobby Krieger from uh, the Doors. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, Creed. They're like, yeah, we got someone from that era that played. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, I don't give a shit. I haven't eaten in three days. Yeah. No way, they got Bobby. <laughs> I know, right? Well, guys, stop knocking down that mural. They got Bobby Krieger. Ooh, Reed. We're going to give you all the great accident on Sunday. We're going to have Jewel come out there. And then we're going to have Creed. Of course, they're not bad. It's just, I know I wouldn't want to listen to Creed after I've been toasted for like two fucking days, three yeah, two and a half well, days. If, if anybody should be uh, pointing fingers, it should, should be uh, they should be pointed at Creed. Yeah, <laughs> blame Creed for the no. I blame one Clef John for the whole thing. Oh God, I think, I think but, he did murder that kid. He found that kid's journal. 
Because remember that kid was writing about the different. Oh God! Explain. Touch on that. Touch on that. That was so funny. I was hoping may he rest in peace, but that was so funny. Touch on that, please. Okay. Yeah. Some of the story goes with a group of friends. These group of friends they go and they're they're very excited to go to the Woodstock '99, and one of the friends. he was very excited to see Metallica. That was like his number one. That was like his Mount Everest. He wanted to see them live. Well, anyway, through this documentary, they go and it's he's writing in a journal. And it's so like, it is funny because it's just so matter of fact. Like, it, it seems like a half-assed text on or a, a tweet. A tweet. It feels like a half-assed tweet. Yeah. Like, hey, saw this band. They were pretty cool. And I saw this band. And they're okay. And then Jamiroquai. Why is he here? And then Wyclef John, I didn't like it. <laughs> oh, no. He goes, what do you think? He goes, I, uh, I don't know what to say here, but I'm going to refer to something my mom told me. If you don't have nothing nice to say. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't get to hear the whole set. I mean, he did play the Star Spangled Banner. I mean, he knocked that out. Oh, dude! Course, it, yeah. it lost its it lost its oomph when it took him like three hours to light the freaking guitar. It's like Jimi Hendrix was high on a medicine cabinet full of fucking drugs, and he lit his guitar on fire. You probably hit a couple of joints before going out there, White Cliff, and y'all can't light the. What kind of lighter food was that? That was like the cheap Zippo. They were pouring it on there, and I'm just like, golly, that that should set it off. Like, yeah, no, but it was like the. It's like what you get for the the Zippo lighters, the refill. Yeah, yeah. And those do take. I mean, you got to let it sit for a minute and soak. I, I'm talking about get some of that Kingsford, you know, lighter fluid that you put on the barbecue pit. Yeah, that motherfucker, win a win. Way up. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to any White Cliff John cookout. That's all I know. Yeah. So so then that that guy he he, he wrote that about White Cliff John and he's the one that he went to go see the Metallica. He was waiting for Metallica and then yeah. he ended up passing away because of that. Well, he passed away because in in a lot of people uh, they talk about this. A lot of people they got so overheated. Yeah. That they started getting chills and are like, "What the hell's going on?" And they started falling out. And that's what happened to this guy. He was in, he was in the Metallica pit, and uh, unfortunately, he did pass away from you know. Well, they didn't know what to treat him with because they he did make it out of the pit alive, so it wasn't yeah. the crowd's fault. It was the medical staff's fault or the, the they were really fault. not prepared. They, they were they were treating it like what what they say they treated like a uh, the a drug overdose. Yeah, and treat it like heat exhaustion. Yeah, and he didn't do any drugs. So. And then there were transferring people there, like well, I don't know, I forgot the number, but it was a pretty good amount every day. Oh yeah, and they were busting them out there with, uh, with ambulances. It was ridiculous. But yeah, it turned animalistic on Sunday, and that's the thing. There, in that promoter guy that pissed me off, he's like that asshole at Fred Durst. He calls it, it Fred Durst wasn't even there when all the shit. I blame Flea's cock. Okay. Lee's cock was hanging out while he's playing the bass. <laughs> he's butt-ass naked. The brown chili peppers play fire when a fire is happening. But no, it's Fred Durst's fault because he played the day before and got him riled up. Yeah, got him riled up. Yeah. They, they, it, they, it, they, it, took, they took some uh, plywood planks. Yeah, that they did. But they, they crowd didn't, surfed with them. They crowd surfed with them. Yeah, exactly. They didn't tear down the place. They didn't knock over ATM machines. 
No, that was after that was uh yeah, that was Sunday. That was like midday Sunday when they started doing that, right? They started like yeah, so, so a whole, shit. A whole yeah, a whole lot of time passed already when all the other like it finally just kind of popped off. And Fred Durst was nowhere near the stage. He was nowhere near the place, anyways. Mm-mm. We all know that Moby left because he had this premonition. He had the sixth sense. So I know he made it home safe. I was like, I had to get out of there. I make him sound like Kip. I'm gonna make him sound yeah. like Kip. I had to get out of there. And my name wasn't anywhere. We were just doing drugs with our glow sticks, dancing. It wasn't, it was Fred Durst. He was so backwards happy. With this red backward cap, and and I'll everybody to go insane. <laughs> and, and and their music so aggressive. They're just yeah, it was so taking, aggressive, taking from the black culture and and only taking what they want instead of the positive things. And I'm like, whoa, whoa what the hell? Oh, whoa, whoa, hey man, come on now. <laughs> He's like, come on, man, just tell us you're psychic to leaving events, and I'm okay with that. But now you're just going somewhere else. Like now whoa. you're reaching. What statement are you making here? Yeah. And I'm just like, dude, chill. Like they they didn't know what they wanted. They they like I they said, brought in they brought in today's issues on something that happened back then. That, yeah. That's all they it was super reachy. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, dude. That's the one thing I did hate about the dog. They did do that. They're like, you know, what we're going through today, and then they're like, Well, look at what was happening then. It's like, no, that was no, that's totally different, man. You can't say that. <laughs> People, yeah, if you if you start, like, say you close off a town from getting food supplies and cut off the water and cut off the electricity, and then you bring in trucks, and the trucks have all the necessities we need, but you go ahead and you charge us double the amount we would pay if we would just go to the store that you took away from us. What the fuck do you think would happen in that town? That town would go up in flames. Yeah. Those those trucks would not reach. Uh, you couldn't drive those trucks out of here. Those trucks would be overturned, broken into, and everybody would take what they needed. So don't act like it was just a music festival thing. Think of it like that. You close off a gr- uh, thousands of people. You close them off from everything. And then you bring them what they need and you overcharge the shit out of them for it. Oh, and let's not forget, make them not stay in their air-conditioned house. Well, they won't have an air-conditioned house. You're going to shut off the power. Yeah. They're already hot. They're tired. They can't eat what they want unless they want to pay a shitload of money. Of course, that would happen anywhere. That could have happened. And and that's another thing you brought up. They're like, well, this riot happened somewhere else. It would have happened somewhere else. You can't say that. You can't. uh, They showed uh, Coachella in 99. They had myth tents. They had like they had everything. They had everything people needed. You can't say. And, that. And, but you they know, they're say just that. saying they're like, oh, well, Coachella is super marketed. Yeah, but you really don't hear much. Yeah, uh, uh, you hear about holograms. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Tupac hologram. Yeah, you hear about you know what I mean. And and, and, and honestly, it's funny though Coachella. I'm not. I'm just. But like you, you, you uh, sprain your ankle. They freaking got an X-ray machine there too. Like. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's just yeah. the way they play. They 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 want it to last, and it's been lasting. Yeah, because it cost, they, it, cost, it, yeah. it cost an arm and a leg. It cost an arm and a leg, but guess what? It works. Look at Lollapalooza; it's still going on. Yeah, it's going on right now. 
I, I think with all the elements of that, you take all the elements of Woodstock 99, you put it like, say, with, you know, the Lilith Fair, or you put it with like Vans Warp Tour and see what comes out of that. It'd probably be about damn near close because people uh, would have been pissed. Just say, just say, because uh, they say that it's the lineup. It's the lineup. How many incidences that has Ausfest hit like None. the new? So it's, it's, it's not. It's not the music. It's not the lineup. You know what you're getting yourself into. But well, you put you put them in a lose lose situation, man, where you can't even sleep because you know these people banging uh, uh, barrels in the middle of the night, twenty four seven, and you know because they're high, and yeah. there's nobody there. Like, hey, y'all need to quit your junk. There's people trying to sleep here, you know. Yeah, and if you are sleeping, you're sleeping on pizza boxes or you're sleeping in a tent with a wet fucking floor and it sleeps yeah. like shit. Yeah. Man, that one guy said well. sleeps on pizza boxes because that way you could tell if it's been pissed on or not. Yeah. Isn't that not, I mean that that whole thing, it, it was uh it was doomed from the get-go. And that and that's the thing. The 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 problem, you know they had was look at what happened in 69 and even in these old news clips they're like peace and love in 69 and and um it was peace and love in 69 and then you have 94 and they're like 94 was more peaceful than that yeah so i mean it's it's just nuts it, it, it's it was interesting it was to see it, it, and we can talk about more of the, I mean, there's a lot to, to cover with this, but I wanted to get some of this off my chest of what I took away from this documentary, you know, and, and what they were blaming and what they were doing. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, how do you feel about how they covered it? I know we kind of talked about it, but I guess give me some of your, your thoughts on how they covered it. I mean, I think they're trying to bring in today's issues or today's non-issues and trying to make it kind of seem like we're, we're here right now because of back then and then nothing's changed, uh, which is totally wrong. And I do like on occasion HBO documentaries, man, they, they knock it off the park. It's almost exciting to see what they're going to come up with when they come up with something new. Yeah. Uh, but, but in this one, I mean, they're trying to put it, pin it on one band. <laughs> you know, and 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 uh, other artists. Well, actually, I want to say artists. Other and and artist was trying to project. I guess trying to stay relevant. Or I don't know what what he was trying to do. They had some yeah. journalists on there. They were trying to trying to again. They're they're social justice warriors, whatever. Uh, but that's the thing, though. It's it, it was a good documentary. It depends on how you view things. If you're educated, if you have some understanding, you could kind of see between the lines. You could kind of see a little bit of the BS. But it is very interesting. Uh, it's obvious why uh, it ended up the way it ended up. Uh, but uh, all in all, I mean, it, it was a good watch. I mean, it just it it was trippy to to see all that again. Yeah. See those artists yeah. again. Wow. Seeing that footage again, so that was pretty cool. I I, I enjoyed the musical acts. I got chills up my spine seeing Corn up on stage, seeing DMX do DMX. You know that was just so awesome. Yeah, to see that and see the reaction of the crowd. Everybody was, you know, going with the music. They enjoyed it, and there was some good stories out of this. Of course, this one focused more on the bad stories, which there was a lot of. 
but yeah. there was also some good stories out of it as well. Um, the finger pointing, I didn't care for. I mean, you, you, you were lacking in a lot of resources, uh, promoters mm -hmm. do better. That's yeah. all you got to do. Do better and own your shit. No one wanted to own their shit. Especially now with Fred Durst and that, that clip, <laughs> he, he yeah. it was a different character, but, <laughs> but, um, all in all, I, I, I like seeing this and, you know, I find documentary, uh, documentaries interesting, especially ones like this, where they go back and they show you what actually happened, what the news doesn't cover, but without getting too far into that, that's what they did here. I mean, you saw the news clip 69 was so peaceful. And yeah, ninety nine. Look at this. Well, tell tell the people why these kids freak the fuck out. Why they burned everything down. It was Fred Durst. That's what pissed me. I mean, you can't just blame one band. You can't blame. Yeah. Them. But all in all, all said, I mean, I enjoyed talking with you, man. I mean, we could probably go another freaking two hours <laughs> on this. Um, but I really uh, respect your opinion on things. I know me and you kind of think alike. That's why I was like, I got to get you on here so we can talk about this. Yeah. It's, uh, it's wild. It's just wild. And we come from that era. Like, we were kids in that era. So we knew yeah. how big these bands were and how hyped up they did this, uh, this whole festival. We got to see it firsthand of the marketing and everything. So mm -hmm. that it, it did, it was nostalgic for me too. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Those are, I guess, that that's my closing argument on this. And if, and if people get mad about my closing argument or yours, well, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, if you uh, if you have any comments or you have any any kind of suggestions, uh, any any topics you want us to cover or want me to, uh, to have, you know, any kind of event you want covered or or our thoughts on or an episode on just please go you can go to uh the call uh group facebook page and also you can go to um uh calling for indie at gmail.com i'd appreciate any kind of feedback i can get uh and if it's negative or po positive i it you know i appreciate i appreciate everybody's opinion and anybody's thoughts on on anything so uh but yeah thanks for listening again holly uh it's always a pleasure my friend talking to you no, man, thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Dude, I, uh, we we definitely will cover more stuff. I'm I'm enjoying doing this show, and uh, I look forward to having uh, uh, you on again, especially. So, Well, thanks, everyone, for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Lucky Land Slots, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.